Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. I'm Doug Taylor, and I'm joined by Dr. Dave Vance, lead pastor at Crossroads Community Church in Mansfield, Ohio. And this is the, the, the Deeper Podcast. It's our goal to help you go deeper in God's Word and to grow deeper in life application. And what I'm really excited about is this new series that we're doing on Jonah. I don't know that I've ever like done a, a series, you know, walking deeply through the book of Jonah. Certainly I've read it and you can read it in, in uh, well, you could probably read it in 10 minutes. It might take me 30 <laughs> minutes to yeah. read it, but you can read it in a short amount of time. 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah 15 minutes. You, you can read the story. And we, told, we, we think that the story is about, you know, the big fish or the whale. And maybe later on we'll get your opinion on what this creature was that swallowed Jonah. But um, I've heard you say the book is more than that. It's more than this story that's been debated. Almost everybody I know, whether they believe in Jesus or not, they know the story of Jonah, right? Yes, they yeah. know this book in the Bible. But we're going to go a little deeper than that, aren't we? We are. Yeah. We are. So, so that's what's exciting to me. I don't know that I've ever done this, you know, and you know, outside of Sunday school or things like that. So excited to, to journey through th this book of Jonah. Um, it's a little bit about um, hiding and running in the first chapter. Yes. And um, I actually hate the game hide and seek. You do? Why I is really that, do. Yes. I do. Yeah, I think it's certainly my personality. If I can go hide with somebody and we can talk, <laughs> that would be fun for me. <laughs> but when you have to go hide by yourself, I'm like, what am I doing? This is not fun. I remember um, we were on a student retreat. We took a whole bunch of students, my wife and I, and, and we were teachers. So it was the adults go hide and the kids find them, and we gave certain people um, point value. So if you go find Mr. Taylor, you get X amount of points, and they gave me like almost no points because they're like, <laughs> you'll just want someone to find you so you can talk to them, you know? And then my wife, on the other hand, has a lot of point value because she can go hide and for, for an hour and a half, and she'll be excited that no one found her. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're the opposites there. What about you? Do you have any uh, thoughts on how the game I, I, I love hide and seek. Part of it is any game is always, always fun to me. To win a game is uh, that win mentality. Uh, I really like hide and seek though. I think there's something about getting out and and hiding and trying not to be not to be found. And I can say when I look back as a as a kid, especially as a teenager, we would play this game and uh I remember I hid in some places that I would consider today dangerous. Like I probably shouldn't have been hiding there. One of them was I hid in, it was a pile of, of trees that had been dropped. And so imagine tall trees cut maybe in half that are now laying over each other. And so I hid inside almost like a cave of trees. And I, looking back at any moment, those trees could have collapsed and my life would have ended. Uh, I remember once being on a, on a scavenger hunt and it was the same type of thing you just described. And I literally hid under leaves so that my eyes could only be seen. It, it was uh, it was a pretty cool moment. It was almost like a Rambo. If you remember that movie where where he's hiding in, in, in the mud, that's the image of me in the leaves with only my eyes to be able to be seen. That's, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We're the exact opposite because it'd be hard for me to drink coffee like, <laughs> that's right. like that or die. Yeah, how do you have a cup in your how hand? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. So but we see that in this first chapter of Jonah, right? We, we see him um, hiding somewhere, running nowhere. Um, tell us a little bit as we get into this with Jonah. Tell us a little bit about Jonah's resume. Who is Jonah before this before this book? 
Oh, and let me back up a second. Who wrote this book of Jonah? Yeah, you know, we don't know exactly who wrote it. Um, some believe maybe it was his own narration. Uh, we're, we're not sure. It could have been one of the other prophets. Certainly could have been a follower. Uh, someone who knew an intimate, intimate details about Jonah. But we do believe it's a true historical book. And the reason we believe that is because Jesus himself mentions this on multiple occasions. In fact, Jesus only mentioned four prophets by name. Isaiah, um, Zechariah, Daniel, and Jonah. And so uh, if if Jesus who walked out of a grave right. believed this was true, uh, certainly we can believe that is true. And he uses this story as a picture of his death and resurrection, that he was the, the type of Jonah that was to come. And so uh, we, we believe this is historical. Um, and you're right, th- this small yet power-packed book, I mean, I, I want you to think about it. It's only... F- Four chapters, 48 verses, 1,300 words. It can be read in 15 minutes. And it really is all about hiding and seeking, running. But it's not this story about the fish and Jonah. It's really the story about God and Jonah. It's about Jonah, the prophet of God, running from the presence of God. Now, you were going to ask me a little bit about his resume. Yeah, his resume. Is this the first time we see Jonah in the Bible? And tell us about his resume. Yeah, it's actually not. And that's what is ironic. Most of us, like you said, have heard the story of Jonah before. Uh, We've heard of this story about Jonah and this big fish. And we'll talk about that in weeks to come. So you want to make sure you're a little teaser a teaser yeah. yeah we're gonna give some identity to the fish um but the uh it, jonah actually was mentioned before in the old testament in second Kings chapter 14 uh we find that jonah was a successful prophet and the reason he was a successful prophet in second kings 14 is because he prophesied during a time that the king of israel did evil in the sight of the lord and yet jonah prophesied prosperity to the nation. Now, why is that important and why is that unique? It's because usually if a king did evil in the sight of God, the prophet would come in and say, repent or else you're going to be judged. Jonah came in and the word of the Lord through Jonah, and this came from God, was not a condemnation or judgment. It was, no, instead, God is going to prosper Israel in spite of the evil of the king. And so it was a very unique time that Israel expanded its borders, grew in prosperity. The economy was strong in spite of a king that was evil. And that was attributed to the prophet Jonah. So he would have been a well-known, well-liked prophet, um, well-accepted. When people saw him, they were like, Jonah, what's up, man? It, you know, he gave a good word of the Lord. Unlike prophets who were prophesying during the exact same time, prophets like Amos or Hosea, they were prophesying during the same time, but they were calling for repentance. And so God used some prophets uh, for the call to to judgment and other prophets he used uh, for calls of prosperity in certain seasons. And Jonah happened to be in a good season. So he had a rare treat of being a, a prophet that foretold a good thing to happen in the nation of Israel and probably uh, very accepted. Yeah. Very liked. And he was a good prophet at that time, right? He was obeying God, giving those That's prophecies. Right. He was. As we look at Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh, yeah. right? He didn't want to go. To, why do you think he went to those such great length not to have to go to Nineveh? So so when we when we say the word Nineveh, we're talking about the capital of Assyria, 600 years, uh, six to 700 years before the time of Christ. It, it was the capital. Uh, this was the biggest, baddest city in the world today. So I, I want to I ask you, Doug, if you had to pick one place you would never want to go because the people are so bad, where would that be today? 
Probably South Korea or somewhere where ISIS is in Iran or Iraq or somewhere like that where I couldn't really worship the Lord freely. Yeah. So I would say the same thing like ISIS or North Korea where, uh, you know, there's some crazy things that are happening. But I want you to think of Nineveh. Nineveh, let's triple that. Um, wow. In fact, let me just describe the city of Nineveh just for a moment. Nineveh uh, was 60 square miles around. Uh, it had a wall around it that historians said was large enough that three chariots could run side by side by side simultaneously on top of the wall. Now imagine that, that wall huge. It's a big and wall. It's a big wall. And Nineveh chewed up and spit out countries, whole countries left and right. And I want to read one thing that is said by a historian. It said, when they would conquer another city, they would skin alive uh, men, women, and children and spread out their skins over the walls. And then they would bury people up to their necks, still alive, up to their necks in sand, and then cut their tongues out. Um, pretty nasty. And that is really uh, we bad. probably should have gave a rating to this <laughs> podcast. But uh, that's the kind of people they were. Barbarians. They were unspeakable. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I make the joke. They then put uh, uh, headsets on them and had them listen to Britney Spears CDs all <laughs> night and day. Um, they torture people. They, they did. So so when Jonah got the, the call, it says to arise, go to Nineveh. You can see why in the first very first few verses, Jonah doesn't listen to God. It's not because Jonah hasn't been obedient to God. It's because Jonah doesn't like what God is calling him to do. Uh, Jonah is not pleased with the word of the Lord to go to Nineveh, the arch enemy, and the number one security threat uh, to the people of God in Israel. Do you think part of that was he knew because he was a prophet that prophesied prosperity and life transformation? Do you think he was worried that God was going to actually do that again, was going to bring it, prosperity there? It's a great question. And and in what we can tell from Jonah, Jonah gives us a little bit of insight into, into the prophetic ministry, if I can say that, the ministry of the prophets. And, and what I mean by that is... Um, Usually, when a prophet went to cast judgment, because the the text says, "Arise, go to Nineveh and call out against it or cry out against it," it would seem that he's going to go cast judgment on the city of Nineveh. But whenever judgment is brought, God always brings a message of grace, an opportunity for repentance. And so, what we see in Jonah is the heart of God, uh, and I would say the missional heart of God to go toward the enemy and also offer grace in the midst of the judgment. And so that seemed to be a pattern that when a prophet would go into a nation, he would call out judgment, but he would also call out God's mercy. But Jonah knew uh, that this, this nation could respond. And this was a wicked, heathen uh, enemy of Israel. And so Jonah didn't like that. When we think of life application, I think of Jonah kind of running from what God's calling him to do. And Jonah was a good prophet. So he probably in his heart knew he, he can't outrun God. You can't run away from God. But we all do that. We yeah. all kind of run away. And a lot of times we're running from pressures in our life. We're running from we're running away from pain in our life. You know what I mean? So in 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 examples in my life when I felt like I'm going to run from God. I knew God. I knew I couldn't get away from God, but I was trying to avoid pain. Yeah. And, and I don't know what Jonah's, you know, running from, but Dave, can you give us a, a few indicators of us when we're running from God so we can kind of self-diagnose and, and not allow ourselves to try to run from him? Yeah. And these indicators then give the, me the method and mode behind it 
uh, that really reveal. And I, w- I want to give a couple of these. And, and it's a great question because you're right. And sometimes those those uh, running from God is a slow drift. It doesn't happen all at once. It's not quite as dramatic as Jonah. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting. It says he went down away from the presence of the Lord. Uh, he was running from the presence of God, but he wasn't running from the presence of God. He was running from the call of God. And so a couple of things. First of all, we begin to ignore God's word. Uh, we begin to think that God's word is not necessary in my life. When, when you're running from God, an indicator is you're beginning to ignore what God's word says, or you maybe set it aside and don't even engage it. Uh, secondly, you begin to harbor past sins. This could be sins done committed against you, much like Nineveh against Israel. It could also be sins that you're, you're sweeping under the rug and you're not dealing with them. And so these sins that keep reoccurring in your life uh, and you're, you're not dealing with them appropriately in repentance. The third thing is, is you begin to isolate yourself instead of aligning yourself with God's people. I find it interesting. Jonah doesn't run to his own people. He runs away. It says he takes, goes down to a, a port city called Joppa and takes a boat to head to Tarshish, which was 2,500 miles away, most scholars believe, in Spain. Uh, he was on a Mediterranean cruise is what he was looking for. And, uh, and he doesn't run to the people of God. He runs away from his own people. And I think a lot of people, when we're running from God, we begin to, to isolate from the people that really will bring us along the most. And that can be the body of Christ, the church. It can be our community. Uh, our community groups, our small groups. It could be a class that you're in and you begin to isolate from the people of God. And then lastly, uh, we think, and this is an indicator, we think that distance from God will actually bring us freedom. And this is a faulty idea that if I just have some space from God, if I just take a break from God, if I just back away from God a little bit, I'll actually experience more freedom. And it's not true. Instead, all you're doing is trading uh, servanthood to Christ. And I always say, we're all slaves to something. The question is, who's our master? If our master is Jesus, then slavery is a beautiful thing, right? I want to be a slave to Christ. And it's because our master is so good and gracious and faithful to us. But we trade that slavery for a bondage that traps us and only brings us condemnation and more judgment. We encourage everyone to read this first chapter of Jonah and kind of ask yourself, what is it that you're running from?